to sing how we love him. Oftentimes, our love is in response because he first loved us. The Bible says, while we were yet still sinners, he died on the cross for our sins. Kind of, kind of reminds us maybe of a mother's love. That we are grateful that our mothers loved us before we could ever love them. When we didn't know what love was, they were nurturing us, taking care of us, looking after us. And then as we grew older, we learned what love was. And we celebrate Mother's Day to show our mothers their love. Looking on this Mother's Day thought to deal with a mother's hope, we look in a familiar text, 1 Samuel, first chapter, looking at verses 3 to 11. I want to bring up to us and lift up in this text her prayer or her vow that she gives from a place of pain. To give a subtitle for those who say, I'm not a mother, I can't relate to this well. You can relate to a mother's hope. Subtitle would be prayer from pain. Because in her pain, she decided to pray. And because of her pain, it moved her to prayer. First Samuel, first chapter, want to lift up for our reading, if you can stand a reading of God's word, looking at verse 10 and verse 11. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Those who may have the version Bible lap, you can join the live event right there, and they'll give you the, the notes from the sermon and the text all right there. Word of God says, Hannah was in a deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord, and she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime and as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Praise God for his words. You may be seated. Let us pray. Lord, we ask right now truly for your word to come forward with purpose and power to us, Lord, your people. Lord, I pray let it be all of you, Lord, and none of me, that we might hear your word, your truth, your gospel, and that we might see fruit in our lives, we pray. Amen. A mother's hope, or a subtitle, if you will, prayer from pain. This text is interesting in how it opens up this book of 1 Samuel. You open up this book, it gives you introductions to certain characters who are introduced to us in the story. It lets you know who the high priest is, his sons, by the way. So look at that. It says, here's a father, and he has two sons. And, and then they point out to another father who has two wives. Y'all see that? Opened up with a father with two sons and opens up a husband with two wives. This is a, a, a theme I started picking up in this letter of, I'm sorry, in this book of 1 Samuel, that there's oftentimes a tale of twos. It opens up with a 
a priest, Eli, and his two sons, who are not doing good, in preparation of the second priest to come and judge Samuel, who will do good. Mm. Then it has a husband who has two wives that's no good. Watch out, somebody. Because he has two wives, look closely at verse 7. In some text, in New Living Translation, that has the word, her, her name, Pinna, but another translation says her rival. Watch out. When, when your name is no longer your name and it becomes a description of your character, you soon have know you're causing problems. And so we find out here another teller to a man that has one wife that's a, is, that is causing havoc, that's provoking and harassing the other wife. And you have another wife who is in a place of depression and oppression because she has her womb closed. And now look at here again. You have another teller to Look what's happening. He says they're on their way as it's his custom as early to go to worship. And look again, two things. You have one who wants to worship. You have one who does not want to worship. Another teller to Do you not see that there in the text? One, every, when they go to worship, she decides this is the time, Penna, the rival wife, this is my time to remind her how God has closed her womb. Mm. But yet we find out that Hannah, the one who chooses to worship, she finds this the time that she draws closer to God. Can I ask you, which one will you choose? In the teller too, will you choose to worship him or will you choose to be living in the world and start dealing with, dealing with the world things? When you start dealing with the world things, you start looking about all about you. When you think about God, you're thinking about how good he is. But when you're thinking about the world, you're thinking about how little you have. Y'all quiet on me. It's all right. Let me help you out. Because you're thinking about the world. You're thinking about how can I get my paycheck? How can I pay my next bills? How can I get a better job, get a better status in life? Everything's about you because that's what it is in the world. Am I right about it? Because, and I'm living in the world. Think about it. If I don't work, I don't get a paycheck. So therefore, I got to go to work so I can get my paycheck. Y'all quiet on me. Y'all ain't got no jobs. So you know if I don't do these things for me, nobody else is going to do it. Uh, I'm, let me do a survey real quick. Let me sign up. Has anybody came by your house and say, can I get all your bills? I'm going to pay them for you just for free. Has anybody done that? All right, all right. I'll get y'all away. So therefore, you realize that if you don't do it, you got to take care of it. And then sometimes in our lives, we find out that there's some things that we just can't do. We need some assistance. We need somebody outside of us to help us. And here comes a circumstance and a situation that Hannah understood that no matter how much she tried, y'all know she was trying, y'all. No matter how much she tried, it was not working out. And because of that, Pena, her rival, looked at her and says, this is the time when we come before God. I'm going to remind you how he's closed your womb and have you feeling sad about yourself. Now, look, look at the tale of twos here. You have, you have Elkanah that loves to worship God and makes it a point to come to worship God. And, and now that he has two wives, and look at the names. Penna means, means to be pearl and beautiful and, and beautiful hair and adoration. And she thinks she's beautiful because she got the children and, and her husband is with her. But yet you have Hannah that means grace, that means favor, who has favor from her husband, but she's begging favor from God. And, and look, look, look how, how clueless Elkanah is because he's trying to appease his wife. He's doing everything within his power to please her. 
it says in some texts that he gave his portion as he should to his, his other wife and to the children, but he gave a special portion. Or sometimes they say a double portion to his one he loves. Y'all see that there, right? Mm. He's out of order in there. Even God in his law says that the double portion should go to your firstborn. In Deuteronomy, it says the double portion should go to the firstborn. So he's trying to make up for his wrong by trying to give a double portion to his wife. Do you understand that when you try to work it out, you're always going to mess it up? He's doing, and, and look, look how he, he says she's bitterly, she's crying. He says, what's the problem? Aren't I better than ten sons? She's just looking at him just, no matter what you say, I am not going to eat. And nothing's going to change my condition until the Lord can change me. Do you see here that she left there and went to the place of worship? Her pain, her pain, her pain drove her to worship. My question is, will you choose to worship? And secondly, my question, will you, will you choose to pray in the midst of your pain? Because in that time, look what happens. It, it, it could have... She had other children by, by I'm sorry, Elkanah had other children by Penny, but so it could have been that every year she got on her and made her feel bad, but yet it wasn't until this year something happened. And, and, and my question is to you that some of us are waiting for God to move, but maybe you haven't got to that point yet. That you are ready for God to move. See, many of us want our blessings when we want it, but do you want it when God wants to give it to you? Because when God wants to give it to you, it will be the right time. But when you want it, it's oftentimes the wrong time. I said oftentimes. Sometimes we want it at the right time. But oftentimes if we did a survey, we did a check, it was at the time that was most convenient for us that we wanted it. And so it does not tell us why it was at this time that God answered her prayer. But yet, we find out that at this time, she was at her worst. How do we know she was at her worst? She was so broken and so oppressed that she looked like she was out of her mind to the priest when she was in front of the temple of prayer. Why is that important? Because historically, they understood that when someone prayed, they prayed audibly, they prayed out loud. And so for her to be kneeling down in pain and anguish with her account, you know, her face did not look right. She did not have a joyous face. She was sad. She was oppressed. And so her face was twisted. Her body was twisted. Her spirit was twisted. And yet she was moving her mouth, but nothing was coming out. He says, get out of here, you drunk woman. Again, Taylor too. How is it this prophet, supposed to be high and connected to God, misread a person's pain? I can't deal with that. Y'all got to read the next chapter to find out how bad Eli was. But yeah, you can see that when he was corrected, he understood, oh, this woman's in pain. She's in deep sorrow. And look at her prayer. He understood she had a relationship with God, and he came in agreement with her. He says, may God grant your request. It did not say he heard from God that God was going to do it. He realized he was in wrong. He said, let me fix it up. May God bless you as you pray this prayer. You see, what I want us to grab from this mother's hope. Her hope was that there's a God that can deliver her from this problem. And she understood her husband could not help her. 
Her rival wife could not help her. No one else could help her but God. Has anybody ever been in that situation? That those you love or who are close around you did all that they could for you, but it was never good enough? But it's only until God stepped in that things and your circumstance and your life started changing because you needed God to step in. You see, this is sown over and over again, this theme of the two, that you can choose God or you can choose others. You can have a rival or you can worship God. Because you understand that this theme is going on. I said I can't get further into it, but you know Eli was rejected, but then Samuel was accepted. And Samuel, speaking of, was a son that Hannah had. Look at this prayer she has. She prays that Lord of heaven's armies or Lord of hosts, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, I will give him back to you and he will be yours for an entire lifetime. Look what she says to him. She says, Lord, remember me. She says, I'm your maid servant. She says, don't forget me. And then she says, I will give to you. Look in her prayer and see how in moment of pain and suffering and sorrow, she still understood who was God. Can I encourage you on today to understand that in moments of pain, in the moments of your suffering, please do not forget that there is a God. And he is still in control. Regardless of how things may feel around you, God is still in control. Regardless of some bad news a doctor may give you, God is still in control. Regardless of you getting a phone call with bad news, God is still in control. Regardless of some accident that might befall befall on you, God is still in control. Regardless of how helpless you feel and how small you feel, how weak you feel, God is still in control. And so she understood that my womb is closed. And understand, God, is because of you. My womb is closed. But God, if it's because of you and you are the Lord of armies, you are the Lord of hosts, which means this, that you have all power. That's, that's basically what she's saying, that you have all power or you have all resources. You know, think about it. Think about it. If anybody has an army, they got to pay for that army. And if they got to pay for that army, that means they got a good reserve. And if he's the Lord of hosts, of all the angels, of all the armies, of everything, the Son of God got to know. I heard one preacher say it this way. That if God owns a cattle on a thousand hill, can he not sell a cattle? And be a blessing to you. I heard a preacher say it this way, that he would, they were in a, a church, uh, we were in revival, and the pastor got up and says that, there was a prayer meeting that the church had to have to say they were $10,000 short. And they had to search and pray unto God. And his prayer led them to say, God, can you sacrifice a cattle for us? Because since you owe that cattle on 1000 here, you know what happened? Sometime later, he received a check in the mail for $10,000. That was God's answer to prayer. But you know, look what happened here. The, the person says, God oppressed it upon my heart a week before to write out this check and send. Do you understand what happened? A week before, God ought to put it on somebody's heart to send out a check. Y'all missing it. Y'all missing it. A week before, God has already put the preparation together, waiting for them to come to him in prayer. And showed up. The blessing showed up. Why was that? Because they were in the position that they realized there's no one else but God that could do it. And at that moment and at that time, that's when it showed up. I got some people, some people didn't catch on today. I got some sports fans in the house. Let me get some sports fans in the house. Sports fans, sports fans. 
in sports, oftentimes there's plays that are designed that a person has to be in a specific position in order for that play to work. And, and it's baseball. See, let me see if I can help y'all. If y'all don't get baseball, I'll move on to football, I'll move on to basketball. But let me try baseball right now. In baseball, when a certain power hitter gets up, and they know they only hit on one side of the field. They put on what they call the shift. And when they put on the shift, this is what's happened. Everybody shifts to one side. So the third baseman all of a sudden becomes the second baseman. The second baseman becomes the shortstop. The shortstop becomes another right fielder. And the first baseman stays right there on first base to get the out. And oftentimes, when they hit that ball, it goes right to the people that are right in the position. And, the, and they it get the out. Because everybody was in the right position. But if you're not in the right position, you're going to miss the ball. I lost somebody. I don't get baseball. That's all right. Football. Y'all watch the draft. Some of y'all get excited about y'all football. To me, football, there's a play. Oftentimes, you might have seen it in the end zone with a player called Randy Moss, a boy that could jump high. And the call was for him just to go. I said, just go. And he would go to the corner. And the quarterback didn't care who was guarding him. He would just throw the ball up. In a certain position in the air, knowing that only Randy Moss could jump up and grab the ball and come down with it. And every time they did it, they got down to the end zone. Everybody knew where the ball was going, but they could do nothing to stop it. Because Randy Moss enough was big enough, strong enough to jump up and be in the position to get the ball. But yet, we know what's happening here. The defense is fighting against him. The defense understands that if he gets here, we're going to lose. The defense understands that if he gets there, it's going to be good for him, bad for us. Let me help you understand. You understand the enemy understands the same thing in your life. He's trying to prevent you from getting to that position that'd be good for you, but bad for him. All this time, the rival kept on provoking her, kept on provoking her. All she was doing was helping her to get to the position that she could receive what God had for her. All right, seems like y'all caught on to that now. And so once she got to the position that she was in the position that God could use her, she was ready for the blessing. Now catch this. From her pain, from her pain, drove her to prayer. And even in the midst of her pain, it moved her to worship. And, and even in the midst of her pain, in her prayer and in her worship, she understood that God was in control. And look what happens. She understood so much so that she made a vow. Now, to us, when we make vows, we make vows just for God to bail us out, but we have no intention of doing what we say we're going to do. We don't make the kind of vow like Hannah made. We made these kind of vows. God, if you bless me one more time, I'll make sure I go to church. That's the kind of vows we make. We, we thank God as long as I give you an attendance on a Sunday, uh, uh, th- that'll be good enough for how you bless me all my life. But yet, look at her vow. Her vow was nothing of just one attendance or something to come. Her vow was what I'm praying for, I'll give back to you. What I'm praying for, that will be my help, that will be my deliverance, that will return my joy, I'll give back to you. For how long? All. His life. Mm. See, when we get into that position, we understand that, Lord, what you give me is yours. She understood I'm his. She said, I'm your maidservant. Y'all see that? 
She already put herself in a humble position, understanding that, God, I'm in a bad circumstance, I'm in a bad situation, and I understand oh, you can deliver me, and I'm okay if you deliver me, and I'm also okay I'm in this position, but I also know that if you bless me as I'm asking you, I'll give him back to you. And she gave a Nazarite vow, saying that another, a, ra- a razor will never touch his head, and this will be a sign to everybody that this son is dedicated unto the Lord. She, she was desperate that God would bless her, and yet she understood that she could not be selfish with her blessing. Can I encourage somebody today? That you are desperate for God to bless you, but you can't be selfish with how God's going to bless you. Because if you're not ready for his blessing, he's not going to give it to you. Because it was not until this moment to this point that she was ready to receive. What God had for her. Look, look, look in her prayer. Look how broken down she was. That the priest thought she was out of her mind. Thought she was drunk. I, I, I'm going to throw this in as a footnote for free because she, he thought she might have been hanging around with his boys. His boys were up to no good, y'all. But I can't go there. It's a tale of two. I'm, I'm dealing with this prop, this family right now. And and so he gets mad at her, but she looks at him and she shows respect to him. Y'all see that there? She shows respect to them. She, she, she points out to them as she says, I was praying to the Lord. She points out to them, I, I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. She's pointing, she's pointing out that I was not pouring strong drink. I was pouring out my soul. I was not full on wine, but I'm overflowing with pain and anguish. And she realized the only way I could get rid of this is to pour it out unto the Lord. Can I help somebody out that does not know what I'm trying to tell you right now? I'm just basically turning it over to the Lord. We, we sing this song, and sometimes we get up, we get happy, we start clapping our hands, talking about turn it over to the Lord. Oh, yeah. Jesus, going to work out. We get to start clapping, start dancing. Baby, get a new pair of shoes. Work it out. But you see, we get excited about some new pair of shoes. Work it out. But what about in a moment of your pain and in your suffering, will you give back to, what, give back to God what he blessed you with? She, her was pouring it out to God and said, Lord, I pour this out to you. My, I'm in suffering because I got a rival that keeps on making fun of me because I cannot give birth to a child and, and I'm stricken by you. But Lord, I'm trusting that you will work it out. And when you work it out, I'll give it back to you because God, it belongs to you. And so in that position, she was willing to give back to God. And she told us to Eli, I said, look, I'm pouring out my heart before the Lord. Has anybody been there before? That nobody else could understand your trouble. Nobody else could understand your sorrow. But yet you knew there's a God that she can pour it down to. That you've been in time of anger. It says she was bitterly weeping. Bitterly weeping, basically saying that she was in so much sorrow, so much pain. She was just in constant grief that all she could do was just weep. And just well. Her countenance was upset because her life was not the way she wanted to be. But yet, even in the midst of her pain, she chose to worship. She chose to pray to God. She chose to serve, to serve Him. And it's in that, she made this vow to give Him back to the Lord. She was looking to God to deliver her, and her blessing will bring deliverance to Israel all through a male seed. God answers prayers. 
don't think that prayer is just a miracle trinket that you do in order to get a result. As oftentimes people will try to rub shiny things for good luck. Knock on wood. Rub a rabbit's foot. Hang a a shoe horse over their doorpost. Get some lucky green clover in springtime and put them in their pocket. All kinds of things we do hoping that it's going to bring us good luck. But when you look in this text, she turned her prayer over to God. And Eli did not say good luck. He says, I hope or I wish the Lord grant your request. Or he might have said, go in peace. Basically saying, may it be well with your soul. Nowhere in the text did it say it's going to happen. Y'all go back and look. Nowhere did it say, on this day, on such and such, you will be with child and you shall name him this. No. He says, may it happen. And look to her in just the hope of a God answering her prayer, her whole continence changed. Mm. The the self-imposed fast she put on her went away. The twistedness in her face went away. She went there, check this out, she went there in sorrow and pain, weeping and wailing, searching God, left there with a joy on her face, ready to go back and eat. What does that mean? It means this, that in the times of your pain and your suffering, once you turn it over to the Lord, don't pick it back up. Once you turn it over to the Lord, don't pick it back up. She turned it over to the Lord. She left it alone. She was waiting on God to give her her answer. And, and, and you look closely there in the text. It says, in due time. Mm. In due time. It wasn't in her time. It didn't say how long did it take. But it said in due time. Remember, it's when you get into that right position that you'll be in the position to receive what God has for you. And that takes some due time. That means that it's not the time you want it to be, but at the right time. Can someone say the right time? That's when God's going to show up. And at the right time, he showed up. And look what happens. She was blessed and named him Samuel because she remembered that God answered her prayer, which means that he heard me. (laughs) See that in verse, first chapter, verse 20. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. This was her answer prayer. I want to close as we look at this text, and I told us, do you see the symbolisms of the twos? In, in, this, in, in Samuel, you'll find twos throughout this text. You'll see Eli's rejected, Samuel's accepted. You see Saul, anointed as king by the people, but God rejected him. And you see David, chosen by God, the people had no clue. Then you see also here in this text, you see one son was received and giving back unto God. One son was received and was giving back unto God. That theme is throughout the Bible that you understand there was a, there was a mother who was given a son. And that son was given back to God. Yeah, y'all know whose son I'm talking about. You know the lily of the valley. The Rose of Sharon, the Prince of Peace, 
the rising star, the brighter morning star, the Lamb of Judah, the, the Lamb that was slain and rose again, who took away the sins of the world. I'm talking about Jesus. You understand how, how this was our blessing? And he went back to God. Look, look closely here in this text. It says that all of his life, he will be yours. Do we not see Jesus spend all his life serving the Father? He got even, in a matter of fact, made it too clear to them saying, of which acts are you going to stone me from? For I only do the works of my Father. And he pointed out to them, even to his mother and to his father, they were looking for him one time. Y'all remember they were looking for him one time. Where, where was he? In the temple. Says, I got to be about my father's business. What I want us to grab here in this text is understanding even the symbolism and the parallelism of Hannah when she gave her son over to the temple. Samuel became a blessing to the children of Israel that he anointed the first king and then he anointed the second king. And when he anointed the second king, he established the eternal kingdom of the one Jesus who we now serve. And look again how the tale of two Jesus makes it clear to us. While he was walking, he says that there's going to be a time, and now the time is, that God's looking for true worshipers. Those who worship him, what? In spirit and in truth. And so what I want us to grab here, that in our time of pain, in our time of suffering, that we can just be just like a mother with hope, understanding that, God, I know you can bless my child. God, I know you can bless my family, and I'm going to turn it over to you, to the Lord, and I'm going to let it go. Can someone say, let it go? Because once you let it go, that means it's in his hands. And whose better hands than to be in? Because of Jesus, who was giving over to the Lord and died on the cross for our sins and rose again with all power in his hand, is now exalted, seated at the right hand of the Father. Do you understand? That's why now we are more than conquerors. That's why nothing can separate us from the love of God. But do you understand that even this son, he had to get in a point of pain too? And in his point of pain, he too, what did he do? He prayed. In the garden of Gethsemane, he, pained, he prayed in anguish. And he prayed the prayer three times. Lord, let this cup pass over me. But not my will be done, but thy will be done. Well, that's what I want us to grab today. It's just as Hannah understood. That in our moments of our pain, in the moments of our supper, may we worship him. May we seek him. May we honor him. And how we honor him is this. It's not our will be done, but what? His will be done. Hannah understood that God, he blessed me with the child. Check, it, check this out. Check this out. Thank you, Holy Ghost. She understood that she wanted a child, but she never got a child. But once she said, Lord, I'm going to give you a child, I said, now you're ready. I dare you. Ask God for something that you're willing to give away. Then you're going to see how much you want. We ask for a new car or a new house. That's for us. God bless me with this, but you're not going to give that away. We need to realize that, Lord, what you give us is not for us. It belongs to you. And so when it belongs to us, it changes our perspective. Realize that, Lord, no, I'll open up my house to anybody. I'll let anybody drive my car because they need help. We, we open ourselves up to realize that it's not me, stop me from being so selfish. But how can I give? And once Hannah understood that, Lord, it's not about me, it's about you, Lord, I'll give him back to you. You see what Lord, the Lord did. Go back down and look. Eli then blesses them once he gives and said, may the Lord bless. He says he had three more sons and a daughter. 
Y'all know, y'all, y'all know, y'all know how I like how God does with more. He, he gave her more than what she asked for. She asked for one son. Then she got more sons. But yet she, would, she was not able to receive until she got to that position. To be open for that blessing. You understand that position was not a position of highness, but a position of low. We got to come low before the Lord. Seeking him. Trusting him. And what? Turn it over to him. To not pick it up again. And worship him. Anyhow. Because he blesses us. He blesses us. And, 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 and this is, I want to encourage us, I'm going to leave us alone. My spirit getting happy, y'all. The psalm says he, he reigns on the just and the unjust alike. He blesses the good and the bad the same. And so I'm saying this because sometimes we get jealous because of what evil people have. But even Hannah, check out her prayer. She says, Lord, you repay the wicked for the evilness. Oh, glory. She understood that though I've been provoked, that I've been mean, I don't wish evil upon her. Lord, I'm just looking how you can use me to be a blessing unto you. Some of us need to stop trying to pray for somebody else's demise, but pray, Lord, can you use me to be a blessing to somebody else? Because once she grabbed that, her focus changed. And she stopped focusing on her conditions, focus on what she did not have, but focus on what my God can provide. Can you change your focus, start looking at it, what you don't have, and start looking at what my God can provide? Open up your refrigerator, and you might say it's empty, but you can say, but my God can provide. <laughs> so enough, so enough, I know I pray when I get in my car, and I see it on E, and I say, my Lord shall provide. Anybody been there before? Just hold God, stretch it out till I get to my destination. Because just as the prophet came to the widow, did not God stretch it out? She was on E, but God was able to stretch it out. What I want us to understand here, that when we are in need, when we get to our lowest position, that's when we are available for God to use us and for us to give him the glory and give it back to him. My last illustration. We think about a pearl and think about where it comes from. This beautiful jewel comes from a place of pain. Once that oyster gets irritated by not a whole lot of sand, just a grain of sand, just a grain of sand irritates the mess out of it that it starts building up a defense. And the defense that it builds up is what's on the outside. <laughs> it's already in it. It's, it's shell. It's the, same, it's the same material that makes the pearl. It's already on the outside. And he starts using it on the inside to defend himself. And then once it gets in, he can remove the discomfort and the irritation and it becomes a joy to many other people that they want to wear around their neck, on their ears, maybe even on their fingers. Because it took something that was irritable to it, became something beautiful for us. I'm not trying to call you an oyster, but I'm going to say this, that God can take your pain and it's shown up can make it beautiful for somebody else. 
Because what you have gone through might be able to be an aid or a blessing to somebody else who's going through the same circumstance. And watch out, you might start be able to make a necklace that you can start adding pearls to pearls to pearls. And some of us say, the reason why I got so many is because God has brought me through so many trials and tribulations. And here, can I share this pearl with you to remind you that he did it for me, he can what? Do it for you. So don't, don't mind pain. Don't mind irritation, but say, from my pain, I can find power. From my pain, I can find his healing. From my pain, I have hope. Because my hope is in who? In Jesus. He is our all in all. He will never fail. So when I think of a mother's hope, I think of a mother that's in pain. But I think about how even in a mother's hope and even in a mother's pain, and even when we are in pain, we know our God who can deliver us all, can turn our pain into a testimony, our worries into a praise, our issues and our circumstances to be a blessing to someone else. Let us pray. Father, we just come. I'm grateful, God, for the work you've done in our lives. And Lord, as we look back over our lives, we realize, God, there's been times that we've been in pain, we've been in suffering, and we Look for others to help us and help came from somewhere. Lord, we, we, we found out, Lord, it was you. And we thank you for that, God, that you've been on our side all this time. That even when we were far from you, you kept us. Even when we were not trying to serve you, you loved us. And so for that, Lord, we give you the praise and give you the glory. Lord, there might be someone here that decided today, Lord, they want to know you. Lord, we thank you. That all who call the name Lord shall be saved, who confess with their heart, mouth and believe in their heart. Knit them to you, draw them unto your mighty God. And prepare this fellowship, Lord, to disciple them, to grow them, to welcome them in. As we all together draw nigh to you, Lord, and you will draw nigh unto us, we pray. Amen. Amen. May we